Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. It is always exciting when God starts doing something that it's obvious God is doing something. To those that are the casual drop-ins at church, you would not understand what I'm fixing to tell you. But I've had the privilege to be in the ministry for over 50 years. Bill Cole and I have talked. I asked him to record his testimony for you because Bill Cole, before he was born again, was a typical, good, wonderful, married a beautiful girl. Daddy was uh, in the ministry. Lori, doing all the right things, showing up at all the right places, saying all the right things, but down inside there was that void. But one day, one day, the pride dropped. And when his pastor did what God was telling him to do, God spoke to Bill. We have been seeing in recent weeks literally hundreds of people coming to know the Lord as their Savior. We are seeing for the first time in my life complete families coming. There will be one in the next hour. I have a letter here that was handed to me this morning. I don't have time to read it, but I wish you could read this email from the couple that are going to be baptized in the next hour right over here, sharing with me what a difference it has made in their life because finally they understand the authority of Scripture. That's our third core value at Sagemont, the authority of Scripture. Our first core value is we love God with all of our heart, well, of course, we love God. We want to please God. God says, if you love me, love each other. So we talked about that last week. We're trying to love one another as Christ loved us, and we're, so we're to love one another. And today's message is the third core value, the authority of Scripture. The authority of Scripture. And I'm going to focus on one area of authority today. If you've ever listened to a message in your life, and it will be brief. It will not be the normal length for reasons that you will see. But if you have ever listened to a message in your life with an open heart to say, Lord, if I'm hearing truth, speak to me. If I'm just hearing somebody read a manuscript or say what he's supposed to say, wipe that away. Let me know truth, because if I don't know truth, I can never be free. And when it comes to the authority of Scripture, it's one thing to say you believe it. It's another thing to obey it. Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I command you to do? Well, there's a lot of answers to that question. Everybody else is doing what I'm doing, so I'm just going to go with the group. The authority of Scripture. I want you to stand with me, if you will, and I want to read to you from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy 3, 16. Now, before I read the passages I'm fixing to read to you, I want you to be focused on something. I want to show you today from the authority of Scripture what it is to be saved, born again, redeemed, have a new life not from the perspective of any denomination, not a Baptist church's opinion, not a Catholic church's opinion, 
not a church of Christ opinion, but what is the authority of Scripture when it comes to the most important decision you'll ever make, and that is how you're going to live your life here with or without God and where you're going to spend eternity. And we could talk about a thousand different things from the authority of Scripture. The Scripture tells us things that are relevant today in the political world. We hear talk about same-sex marriage, the home that has been dissolved in America today. The Bible speaks to that. The Bible speaks about abortion. The Bible speaks about homosexuality. It speaks about a family, it speaks about a home, it speaks about government, it speaks about, it speaks about a lot of things with authority, but we're going to put that aside today and we're going to focus on one thing. What does this book say about salvation? Because if you miss that one, you miss every single other thing you can talk about. And your question today does not need to be some sophisticated theological question. Your question needs, I know that I know that Jesus Christ lives in my life. And whatever I go through today, he's going through it with me. And if I die today, I'm going to go straight to be with the Lord, and so will I ever be with the Lord. And I don't have one single doubt. I'm tired of playing this religious game. Listen to the Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for the instruction in righteousness. In other words, the Scripture tells us right from wrong. What is righteous, what is unrighteous. What is pleasing to the Lord and what is unpleasing to the Lord. Now listen to Mark chapter 12, verse 24. Mark 12, 24. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Do you not therefore err because you know not the Scriptures, neither do you know the power of God. And then I want to turn your attention to the book of 1 John. I want to read to you from verse 1. I want you to listen very carefully as I read this passage of Scripture to you because it is so important that you understand every single simple word that I'm fixing to read to you. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is a message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He's in the light... We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
If we say that we have not sinned, we make him, that's the Lord, a liar, and his word is not in us. May God bless the reading of his word. Would you be seated, please? Now, very quickly, the scripture says, if we're saved, if we're born again, number one, we will walk in the light. Number two, we will have fellowship one with another. And number three, we are cleansed. All of those things are in that passage in 1 John 1, 1 through 10. In other words, we walk in the light. We understand what's going on. We see our world. We see our nation. We see our family. We see our personal life as God sees it. We fellowship with one another. So when one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. And we help pick one another up. When we fall, we pick each other up. But people today from all walks of life say, I don't believe that you can know whether you're even saved or not. Do the best you can and hold in hope. Well, now, what if the Scripture disagreed with what you think? What if you can know? You say, I just don't believe. Wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't go back to your carnality. What if the Scripture says you can know? Would you, by faith, believe the Scripture, or are you going to take your opinion to be accurate? Have you ever been wrong before? What if you're wrong on this one? Well, listen to what the Scripture says. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. This entire book is written that you may know. That you're not going around with my opinion of, well, my brother-in-law, well, my best friend, well, all the folks I run with feel differently than you, preacher. It doesn't matter how I feel. What I know, plus 50 cents, won't even get you a cup of coffee today, all right? What does God know? It's the authority of Scripture. He says, you can know. I don't think I can. He says, you can know that you have eternal life and that your past from death and to life. The most important thing in Scripture is you'll ever understand is not where the world came from. You don't have to worry about how God created the heavens and the earth. You'll have eons of years for God to explain it to you, and you'll be smart enough to understand it when you get there, if you get there. But right now, we've got to deal with what's going on right where we are. God says, I love you too much to keep you in darkness. I want you to walk in light. The world walks in darkness. They don't know, but you can know. Now, here's some of the evidences that are in the entire book. 1 John 2, 3, you will keep his commandments. 1 John 2, 6, you'll try to walk and live as Jesus walked and lived. 1 John 2, 15, you'll love God more than you love the world. 1 John 2, 22, you'll know that Jesus is the Christ. 1 John 3, 9, you do not live with unconfessed sin in your life. 1 John 3, 14, you love your fellow Christians. 1 John 4, 13, you have been given a Christ-like spirit. Now, these are some of the things, not all, but some that I have picked out of the entire book. Those things are so relevant in the life of every believer. The Spirit of God lives in you. You don't walk around in darkness. You recognize truth. The world will not tell you the truth. God will tell you the truth. I'm telling you, don't even believe everything the preacher tells you. And certainly not what the politicians tell you. And certainly not what the world tells you. Only what God tells you. 
He says, you want to know where you stand with me? Here it is. I'll lay it right out there for you. One day, there was a Roman jailer, had Paul in his jail. When they got Paul in jail, it was hard to know who was incarcerated. Because if you were chained to Paul, you were going to get the scripture over and over again. In Acts 16, 30, here's what he said. What must I do to be saved? He didn't say, what can I do? What I need to do? What I need to pray about? He said, what must I do to be saved? Paul, a man whose life was dramatically changed on the road to Damascus, he, he murdered Christian. He held clothes and things like that while, while people were being beat up and battered and bruised. One day, this scholar, this Jewish uh, man, was on his way to persecute more Christians. God knocked him to the ground. He said, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you being such a fool? You're smarter than that. And Paul was graciously and gloriously born again. But let me tell you how he was born again. Same way you and I are going to be born again. He believed the scripture. He trusted the scripture. He did not buy this religious stuff that was all around him. Paul said, when he said, what must I do to be saved? Look what he said. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You see, salvation, listen to me. Salvation is not the result of seven sacraments of the church. Salvation is not the result of your tithing on the gross. It is not the result of you enrolling in the Bible study class. It's not the result of your coming to church every Sunday and your favorite hymn being Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. If you are a born-again Christian, you have been saved by God's grace through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what church you go to, if you haven't been to the cross, to the blood, and received the gift, not from the church, but from God, you don't have eternal life according to the scriptures, not according to the catechism of the church, not according to the doctrines of all churches, but according to the inspired, inerrant, and infallible word of God. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, listen, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift. You know, a lot of us have too much pride to take any gift. No, I'll pick up the check. No, I got this. No, I don't, I don't accept anything. I do everything myself, you know. Nobody gives me anything. How many times have you heard that said by people? God said, if you get saved, you're going to get a gift. And if you don't know how to take a gift, you need to humble yourself today and put that pride down because that pride comes before the fall according to the authority of Scripture. So God just made it real clear. He's going to put in ABCs. Number one, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You've got to acknowledge the scripture when it comes to the fact you're a sinner. You say, I think I'm just as good as the people down the church. You sure are, and you're just as bad as us. That's the reason I'm preaching to us today. <laughs> I know the bunch down here at the church, and I know me. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, there's none righteous, no, not one. That includes the Pope. That includes Billy Graham. That includes Mother Teresa. That includes the pastor of this church. That includes you. That includes everybody. There are none righteous, no, not one. There is only one name given among men whereby we must be saved, the authority of Scripture says, and his name is Jesus. 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 In 1 John 1, 8, we read these words. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And I read to you a moment ago, verse 10, if we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word 
is not in us. You see, God says you're a sinner. How many sins does it take to send a person to hell? One? 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 If you don't know one you've ever committed, ask somebody that knows you for the last hour. <laughs> they, can, they don't have to go back in ancient history and look up your birth certificate. Okay? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. B is believe God's word. Believe the scripture. Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be, see, be saved. C is confession unto repentance. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God is raised from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now here's what I've just said. Do you believe this? Jesus is the Son of God, born of a virgin. He lived a life of sinless perfection. He laid his life down for our sin. He rose from the grave. Forty days later, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And one day, he's coming back to this earth again to bring all the redeemed out of the grave and those that are alive and remain shall be called up to meet the Lord in the air. No other religious leader in the world ever rose from the grave. No other religious leader in the world ever, ever, ever was born of a virgin. None of them lived without sin. They lived as other people. Their history shows sin after sin after sin in their biographies. But there is a name given among men whereby we must be saved. His name is Jesus. And he is a sinless one who is the only thing that God will accept is a sinless, perfected life. And it was Jesus' life on the cross that brought salvation for every single person. And I do not care what your grandmother was. I don't care if your family has been five generations Baptist or five generations any other religion. It has nothing to do with that. You've got to be born again. You can't come in with your family's credentials. You've got to come in with salvation by grace. And so today, every person here is going to be given an opportunity to receive the greatest two blessings you'll ever receive in your life. Number one is salvation. And number two, the first act of obedience, the Lord said, I want you to be baptized. The church didn't come up with that. Now let me tell you something before we go any further, and I bring this message to a conclusion and give you an opportunity to respond. When the word baptized is used, by us, it means everything from pouring, sprinkling, to whatever you want to. Now listen, we believe in the authority of Scripture. Every, the New Testament is written in Greek. The word baptizo is a Greek word. It means one thing. Every scholar in a Catholic church, Episcopalian church, Methodist church, Baptist church, you name it, will tell you that word means one thing, to immerse. That's all it has ever meant. And all the others were convenience things. Go back and read your history book. You know, it takes a lot of water and a lot of time to baptize by immersion. Well, I just choose to differ with you, Pastor. That's fine. That, that's, you should, unless I'm telling you what the Word of God says. The Bible says that baptism is by immersion. And it is the first act of obedience once we're saved. Now, the Scripture says most people will refuse will refuse. Governor Felix, well, well, let me go back and read Matthew 7 to you. Enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go therein, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, 
and few there be that find it. Governor Felix in Acts 24, Paul was pouring his heart out to the governor. And here's what he said, when I have a convenient season. See, I'm busy. I got appointments this afternoon. I got things to do. The Texans are going to play. I got to get home. That's the kind of guy he was. Felix said in a more convenient season. Sad thing about Felix is he's in hell today because the season never got there. His football season might have been worth more than his salvation season. I don't know. But according to the scripture, he never got saved. Well, how about the king, King Agrippa? Paul went before him. He cried out to Agrippa, please, king, please. Whatever you do with me, that's immaterial. If I live, I live unto the Lord. If I die, I die in the Lord. Whether I live or die, it doesn't make any difference. You do with me whatever you want to. But I'm begging you, sir, please give your heart to Jesus. Please. You know what he said? It's in Acts 26, 28. He said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. Almost is not enough. You've got to be born again, not almost born again. You've got to be saved God's way on God's timing. In the 29th verse of Acts chapter 26, after he spoke to the king, he turned to everybody around him. Go back, go and read it. Acts 26, 29. He said, I wished every one of you would do what I've just asked the king to do. He's refusing. I'm asking you to do it. That's what he said. How about the thief on the cross? How many were there? There were two. How could either one of them be saved? By grace through faith. What happened? One said yes, one said no. One, one was, you know, I want my entitlement. I want what's mine. Get us off this cross. You, get out, you, know, you can get us off this cross. You can get down. You can get the rest of us off. Let's, let's get out of town. What did the other one say? Did he go into some kind of theological dissertation? He said no. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the Lord turned to this man who by faith was dying. He could not be baptized, but I guarantee you one thing. If he could have come off that cross, there would have been a baptismal service before that day was over. Because God said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Some church say, well, he went to paradise. He didn't go to heaven because he wasn't baptized. Well, excuse me. He went where Jesus went, and you can call it Pearland, Friendswood, or Heaven, or Bay Cliff, or whatever you want to call it. But that's where I want to go when I die. I want to go to be with Jesus, amen? And then we can just put the title on the, on the city limit sign later on. Now, when it comes to baptism, Jesus is our example. Matthew three thirteen. Then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of you. And you're coming to me. Now listen to this. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened up unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Why was he well pleased? Because Jesus had paid for the salvation of every person I'm speaking to right now. All of us. Jesus paid it all. Paid in full. No, it's not about lowering your interest rate. I get a call every week to lower my interest rates on cards I don't even have. <laughs> I'm not interested in lowering my interest rate. I want to be free. 
of the debt of sin in my life. Jesus said, paid in full. Paid in full. When Peter was speaking in Acts chapter 2, and I must close, he quoted the prophet Joel all the way back to the Old Testament, second chapter, verse 32. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And having heard the prophecy, the people asked Peter, what shall we do? What shall we do? And Peter answered, Acts 2.38, repent, repent. And then because you have repented and because you have acknowledged, you have believed, you have repented, you have met the conditions, then I want you to be baptized unashamedly because I want the redeemed of the Lord to say so. I want you to wear the wedding ring, if you please. I don't want you to be ashamed of me. So he said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for your sins have been remitted, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Without going deep in theology, very quickly you say, well, that says repent and be baptized, and, and that you have to be baptized to be saved. No, it doesn't. When you go into the ritual language and the, and the word that is used there in the Greek is a word that we use for, F-O-R, for. Okay, so if you say John Doe is in jail, what for? In order to steal a car? No, because he did steal a car. We repent for, what for? Because we need to, to get saved? No, because we have been saved. And because we've been saved, we're going to get baptized because we're not ashamed of it. We don't care what people think. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I've been born again. And I'm going to walk in the power. And then the Lord gave his great commission to us in Matthew 28, 19, 20. Here's what he said. He said, go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the age. You know what he says in another place? He says, if you won't be ashamed of me, I won't be ashamed of you. Do you want to step before the Lord when you get into heaven and, and you were ashamed? No, I just think I'm going to do it my way. I just don't think baptism necessary. Why would Jesus walk 75 miles in order to be baptized and set an example? And it's the only place the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit showed up at the same place at the same time and identified themselves was in that one spot. You bet it's important. John didn't understand it. He was just like you. I just don't understand it. He said, you don't understand it. He said, you just get a hold of me. You're going to baptize me in this river. Because I never ask other people to do what I have not done. I have paid for their sin. I've taken care of that. But if I want them to go public, I'm going to go public. I'm going to picture the death, burial, and resurrection of my life. And when you are baptized, you picture the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And you picture what happens to your life. When you're born again, you acknowledge your sin. You believe in Jesus the Christ. You confess and repent. You are born again, and old things pass away, and all things become new. We are buried with Christ in baptism unto death, and then the Bible says we are raised to walk in newness of life. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to give an invitation for you. I'm going to put as much pressure on you as Paul put on Agrippa, and you may respond exactly like Agrippa did, but my conscience will be clear when I do this. I'm telling you, if I knew, and it may be the last sermon I'd ever preach, I've had people ask you, if you, had, if you knew you were going to preach last sermon, what did you preach on? Second coming or what? No, I'd preach on you must be born again. 
That's what I'd preach on. If I knew this is the last sermon I ever preached to you, I would want you to know God loves you. He'll take you just like you are. No, you don't have to go home and get the beer out of the freezer. You don't have to call your girlfriend and say, I'm not coming over anymore. God will take care of all that. But you've got to do it God's way. You've got to do it God's way. There's no other way. Now, some of you, here's what happened to you. It happened to Chuck Snyder's wife, Maureen. It's happened to a lot of people in our church, several deacons. You got baptized when you were 8, 9, 10 years old because Grandma came to town and, and you just said this prayer because some others did. And so Grandma was coming. Mama says, be good. Grandma likes to see you baptized. And you said, sign me up. You got baptized, and when you were 20, 30, 40, 50 years old, you got born again. Now you're running around, can't understand why the wheels keep coming off because you've never been obedient in believer's baptism. There's no other baptism in the Bible but believer's baptism. Nobody ever got baptized and got saved. They all got saved, and then they got baptized. And the power that comes from the baptism, I don't totally understand it, but I've seen it over and over again. I've seen people whose lives were in shackles. And here's one right here, as I tell you, What's happening to them today is going to be the most incredible thing you can imagine. I can remember a man named John Barrows as a member of this church. I went visiting with him for two years every Tuesday night. And I would win people to the Lord. They'd come and be baptized. John didn't, didn't win anybody to the Lord. And man, I mean, he's a better talker than me. I mean, better looking, more energy, the whole deal. Nobody. One day made a point to come and see me. He said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. He said, I've been studying the Word. He said, I've never had believer's baptism. And he, he was that story. I was baptized. I was raised in a Christian home. Got saved, you know, later on. I'd never been baptized. He said, would you baptize me? He said, I'm sure the church will be shocked. I said, that's all right. They can handle it. <laughs> John came and was baptized. Next Tuesday night, he won two people of the Lord. I visited with him for another year. He won somebody every single week for the rest of his life. There's power. There's something in, about power that comes in obedience. When you don't understand anything, say, God, you said it, that settles it. I'm going to do it. And then God will show himself to you. I want you to just bow your head and close your eyes. For you, before I have you stand in a moment, here's what we're prepared to do today. We've never done this before. We had a service out at the Houston Rodeo Ground several years ago, many years ago, probably three decades ago. They're having a rodeo out there this week. But out there in that rodeo arena, we saw several hundred people baptized. But we've never done this until today. We're prepared today, folks, for any of you that have been fighting this. You don't have any power in your life. You don't have any freedom in your life. You say, but I've tried to do right. You know, I got baptized when I was a kid. I've done the best I could. But if you'd really look close, you'd say, but you know... I really think it was when, maybe even this morning, you feel like I need to give my heart to Jesus, and I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a moment. But your story is, I got baptized. But I believe it was in college, maybe when I got married, that I can remember praying, but I never got baptized because I'd already been baptized. And some of those, you're saying when I baptized, you got sprinkled. 
you got as an infant, they had a christening service for you. That's not baptism. And if it were, if they'd immersed you, you ought to be able to make your own decision. We would never baptize a child here without the parents' consent. That's just respect and honoring your, your, the father and mother. That's scripture. But today, if you're here and you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, you don't know what another day is going to bring. This may be the last sermon I ever preach, may be the last one you ever hear, and the same thing is true out on the Internet. Now, what the people here have advantage of, we're prepared right, day, right now. I want to speak to you at the front here, and I'm prepared for you to be baptized right now before this service is over. All excuse, we have all the clothes, we have everything. I want you to look up here just a minute. Some of you have had your heads bowed, and I thank you for praying with me here. But today, this is uh, something that we're going to, every person here, nobody gets baptized till you're forgiven. Man, how good it is. I am forgiven. How would you like for your banker to give you one of these? <laughs> Talking about your debts. But the Lord said, all accounts have been canceled. You're my child now. You're in the family. And on the back of it, and these just arrived yesterday, is the tomb and the cross, which is the reason some of you are here this morning. That tomb, or that cross, first of all, walked you by the tomb. Jesus went to the cross first, then to the tomb, but the tomb is empty. And it'll be a reminder. Those that are baptized today, you're going to take this home with you if you want it, not you give it back to us. Well, why shouldn't give it to somebody else, all right? But we're going to give you a chance to just take it home and do whatever you want to. And a lot of people hang up Texan jerseys and Pittsburgh jerseys or, or whatever jerseys. How about one says, I'm forgiven? I believe it will be worth more than all the rest of them put together. Would you stand with me? If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and you want me to lead you in that prayer, I'm going to, I'm going to put the pressure on you to come here and stand with me and just say, I don't know that I know, but I want to know. And I'm willing to, to trust Jesus as my Savior. And I will pray with you right now. I want you to come and stand with me and right in front of me here. And I want to pray with you. Just come on. Don't wait for anybody else to come. Just say, I want this to be my day of salvation. I want to trust Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I want to do it, and I want to do it right now. I want you to come. And while these are coming, if you're here today and you'd say, listen, Pastor, I know I'm saved, but I've struggled with it many a night. I've never had believer's baptism. Man, I've had some tough times in my life, and I've had no power in my life, and I haven't had any way of knowing but I, I, I see Jesus wanted me to do that, didn't he? Yes, he did. Why? I don't know, but I know there was a reason or he would have never asked you to be baptized after you had trusted him as Savior. And I know some of the reasons. He don't want you to be ashamed of him. But if you are like Bill Cole, his pastor, Virginia Breedlove, Vicki Richards, Maureen Schneider, three that I remember so vividly when they were baptized in that horse trough over at that Pasadena Rodeo Grounds, Listen, we've got your clothes. We'll have you at Bible study class in just a few minutes. But I want you to just come right now. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's sing, Brother Bill. As they're singing, just come on. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. This is your moment. All excuses are wiped away. No more of that. 
I'm coming right now. Come on. Come on. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.